For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. All right, just as we were coming off air yesterday, of course, um, news was coming through of the death of Shane McGowan, 1957 to 2023. Uh, the poet and the punk as they put it on the front of the Independent this morning actually the Independent is the only colour photograph of Shane McGowan all of the other newspapers go to black and white this morning Uh, Shane you had the measure of our dreams a line of course from a rainy night in Soho that's the front of the mail today measure of our dreams is also the front page of making the the mirror lovely photographs of him in all of the newspapers all through his life Um, and uh, you know I, I guess I guess with stars like that or people who stand out from the crowd they burn brightly but they burn out quicker Shane cheers uh, Shane you put the fairy tale into Christmas Pogue's legend dead at 65 says the sun this morning the greatest songwriter of a generation the front page of making the examiner today. I love a particular paragraph from the examiner this morning Shane managed to put into words and music the Irish emigrant experience not just in Britain but worldwide and it wasn't just loneliness and regret it was heady excitement and adventure streams of whiskey hoolies and bad company youth and wild passion it was the morning brought the loneliness. I think it's a fabulous paragraph. It's beautifully constructed. Lovely article on the front page making the examiner this morning. The making of a vulnerable genius is Philip Nolan's take on things in the mail today. Um, um, and I suppose you have to look at uh, all aspects of Shane McGowan's life. And Philip Nolan does to an extent. He says, drinking two bottles of Guinness a day, age five, yet reading literary classics, age 12, this was the divergent upbringing that continued throughout Shane McGowan's life um, and his be- and the beautiful tribute from a wonderful woman who, who I hope to talk to, not today, not next week, but soon, because it's a time for grieving now. I'm talking about his wife, Victoria, um, and the papers this morning from Victoria Mary Clark give part of the beautiful tribute. Shane, who all- will always be the light that I hold before me and the measure of my dreams, and the love of my life, and the most beautiful soul, and beautiful angel, and the sun and the moon, and the start and the end of everything that I hold dear. He has gone to be with Jesus and Mary and his beautiful mother Therese. And when I was reading that actually this morning, it reminded me of uh, Stop All the Clocks. Do you remember that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful poem, Stop All the Clocks? It's very similar, and yet it's just as, just as, as beautiful and just as poetic. The tragic trilogy is, is the angle that the mirror come from on their inside pages um, and what they're talking about is the trilogy of the loss of Christy, Sinead and Shane uh, all gone within six months of each other and a year of immense loss for Irish music and of course all of them super talented but none of them without their own battles and demons fitting that Shane and his sister Sinead are together once more is one of the tribute articles on the inside of this morning's um, mail, mail and I love also on the inside colour page is the mail you might remember it wasn't all that long ago uh, when the boss paid tribute um, to uh, Bruce Springsteen I'm talking to Bruce Springsteen of course uh, to um, the fact that he was a huge fan of the music of um, Shane McGowan and they carry the lovely photograph of when the boss Bruce Springsteen visited uh, Shane McGowan there's also another lovely photograph of him hanging out with Johnny Depp I think there was nobody that he didn't know and didn't hang out with so we'll, we'll come back to that aspect um, of uh, the newspapers and indeed uh, tributes to uh, Shane McGowan well, one or two other lovely stories actually that I'd love to get your thoughts on with regards to Shane McGowan is his 
the, the fact that he played Cork on a number of occasions I won't say much about it now but he certainly played uh, a super duper gig in Henry's in 86 were you at it? I'd love to talk to you if you were or, or do text on 0868104106 or maybe you recall the August 87 gig at Shimsa Kush Lee um, that was the weekend of U2 right? But Oliver Barry then, it's a great article by Desert Driscoll in The Examiner this morning, where he talks about the fact that Oliver Barry did a, a slam dunk that weekend because he had Bono and U2 and decided to make a weekend of it and put on Status Quo, Wolf Tones, The Pogues and Christy Moore. Um, so maybe you might have been at either or both of those. Do get in touch, text 0868 There are other stories making the papers today, some of them quite disturbing actually. The front of the Echo this morning has a rapist who's been sent down for 11 years, although he has persecutory beliefs and has no remorse. 11 years. Uh, we will never know who this uh, 58-year-old man is to protect the child, but the convicted rapist refuses to accept the unanimous guilty verdict against him and express zero remorse. And it's awfully sad to hear that in the first paragraph of the article, the Echo says the rapist was jailed for 11 years in Cork yesterday in a case where the child victim had once only told her teddy bears what was being done to her. Isn't that awfully sad? And as usual, um, she was sworn uh, to secrecy. Don't tell anyone. Uh, And she didn't for uh, 24 years. Uh, But it's a a story that uh, came to a conclusion yesterday in the courts in Cork. And then I can't even go into the detail of this, even though the newspapers do. Uh, I think there is very little need to because it's awfully, awfully graphic in the red tops this morning where a mum has been jailed for life for murdering her two kids by setting fire to her car with them in it. Now, she was dragged from the car. She was in the front seat. Uh, and I think she only had minor injuries, but the children, the children, the children. And this was up in County Westmeath last September, jailed for life yesterday. I wouldn't even attempt to go into the detail of the court reports. It's just too disturbing. And then we're all aware of the stabbings in Parnell Street in Dublin last Thursday week, yesterday week. Well, at one stage, the wrong man was identified as the Parnell Square attacker. Uh, he has now been put under guard of protection because he was named online. He wasn't named by Gripped, the online news outlet, but by running Running a story um, about the stabbing online, other people then weighed in online and they named an individual. And of course, it was the wrong individual. So man wrongly linked to the Parnell attack to get guard of protection. He was an innocent person identified as the stabber. Uh, and apparently there were potential threats to life. There are already, there are already um, you know, issues going on with the, with the actual suspect uh, who's in jail and has protection also because of other um, identifiable potential threats to his life. And something we covered on the air yesterday, of course, was the Limerick councillor, Abdul Kalam Azad Talukdar, uh, who at one stage in a council meeting in Limerick uh, said that um, somebody should be shot in the head. I got the impression that he was saying all of the rioters, but he's pushing back this morning saying that he wasn't actually talking about uh, all of the rioters. He was actually talking about, he said to the mail, that he was referring to the man who stabbed the three children and the crash worker, not those involved in the events that transpired afterwards. But he got a serious reprimand. People yesterday were suggesting that Fianna Fáil should have kicked him out, uh, but they haven't. They have reprimanded him for his total inappropriate comments at the meeting in Limerick last week when he called for people to be taken out and beaten or shot in the head. One other, one or two other stories making the papers today. They're coming after you if you drive a big SUV. 
because they of course are major polluters and they want a tax who does says you? The Green Party says I. So they want a tax on high polluting SUVs. It's, it's not as if we don't pay enough tax as it is and I know that uh, you know they say that motor tax technically has nothing to do with the roads but I would have thought that your car tax actually has to do with the environment now doesn't it your carbon emissions so the more polluting the car is the more you're paying so what they really should be saying a double taxation on SUV drivers I don't know if you're following that story Uh, there's a book now that's been released it's been launched now and it's available in the Netherlands and in Belgium it's called Endgame by Tom Tugendhat and it talks of all of the issues within the royal family do you remember the story about uh, little Archie who was born to Harry and Meghan and there was all sorts of um, kind of suspicion and secret, uh, there was all sorts of gossip going on that me- some member or members of the royal family were questioning the colour of Archie's skin when he'd be born, right? Well, apparently they're saying now in the book, and it's been leaked, that it was Charles and Kate. So the king and the Princess of Wales are the two royals. Um, Now, I won't say any more about it than that, but it's certainly gaining all sorts of traction in the UK, and everyone and anyone is talking about it, radio, television, all of the newspapers. But these were the two, for fear that you were following the story back in the day. And there's a lovely happy ending making the echo today of a little doggy by the name of Bonnie, a sheepdog that got into trouble in Court McSherry Bay. Out went the RNLI, um, because there was no way that the dog would ever get to safety otherwise. So the crew of the Court McSherry RNLI helped to bring the frightened sheepdog in danger of being taken out to sea back to shore. It's four o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, two people on shore observed the dog had got into difficulty off Court McSherry Bay. So out went the RNLI with Ken Cashman and Mark John Gannon. There was another small craft out there with a guy called Dave Edwards on board. On board, And they finally coaxed the dog into the lifeboat. Um, it was a very shocked dog and very frightened and brought him back to um, to uh, to land. It's a lovely story making the papers this morning going to show that it's not always human beings that the Orin and Ally bring safely to shore. The voice of Cork, Neil Prendeville. Weekdays 9 to midday, Cork's Red FM. and the Pogues from, uh, the, from Rum, Sodomy and the Lash from 85. It's the kind of an album title that you love just saying over and over again. Rum, Sodomy and the Lash. Damien Dempsey does a cracking version of that, the big fella. Um, anyway, we're not going to be overly... I've got to refrain from trying to overly analyse the music this morning because it talks for itself, really. Um, but the man, the man, McGowan. Uh, PJ, you met him 10 years ago. A couple of pints with him, I think. Was that the case? I did. Good morning, Neil. Um, morning, you, yeah, I was. It was a chance meeting, really. Um, it was a May, the May Bank holiday. It would have been about ten years ago, and I was in Egan's hotel there in Port Leash, and I went into the gents, and I was uh, washing my hands, and um, I heard the cubicle click, uh, the cubicle door click behind me, so I, I just lifted my head and looked in the mirror. And Shane McCowan walked out. 
So I was a little bit awestruck, so I, I kind of just stared in the mirror and I turned around and I said, uh, Mr. McGowan. He said, uh uh-huh. That's the way he greeted me. Uh-huh. I said, you know, I'm very pleased to meet you. I said, I, I, I'm a big fan. And he said, it's nice to meet you too. <laughs> so I said to him, I said, could I buy you a drink? He said, or could I have a drink with you? He says, yeah, come on. So we went out and we sat down, we sat down at the bar for, I suppose, about, 15, 20 minutes. Wait a second, was he on his own there? Did he leave company? Oh, no, he had, a, he had an entourage with him. And he left he them had, to yeah. sit with you? Pardon? Oh, he did, yeah. Wow, amazing. He did, yeah, yeah. I had a one, I, I couldn't believe it because I was drinking with my my niece at the time who probably wouldn't have been a big fan of the Pogues at the time herself but she would have known who Shane McGowan was mm, mm. so you can imagine the look on her face when I walked out with the toilet and Shane McGowan walking beside <laughs> What did you talk about though for that quarter of an hour? Oh dear for a couple of minutes we talked about we spoke about himself his career um, he was asking you know did I did I had I seen him playing live at any stage and I did I'd seen him up in the, the National when they were only starting up I'd seen, I was, as you know I was a publican in England but I'd seen him up in the National in Kilburn they were playing and um, we spoke about religion we spoke about his his um, Tipperary the huge love for Tipperary especially around Pocahon and around that area there and he was actually telling me because I was drinking Guinness and he was too and he, uh, it was a whiskey chaser he had with it and uh, he was telling me actually the thing about him drinking the, the bottles of Guinness when he was five you know it's in the no. papers this morning. We're reminded of that. Why Why would he have been drinking bottles of Guinness at five? Did he say? You see, in, in small areas like that, Neil, growing up, um, I mean, I was, as you know, I was brought up in a country area as well. So even though you'd be shielded from the demons of alcohol, like my grandmother used to tell me, oh, I wouldn't have drink under the roof of the house. But at five, six and seven years of age, when I had a toothache, I'd always get a little shot of whiskey. No, notwithstanding that, and I'm not here in any way to be questioning his upbringing as such, but we, we heard similar stories about another tortured genius, and that was Brendan Behan. The papers do this morning talk about him um, drinking you know, Guinness at the age of five or six. It probably set him up early for a fall with alcohol, didn't it? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, of course, but like, that wouldn't have been that probably that wouldn't have been frowned on on the day. Okay, but okay. what you what you say is right. There's no, um, I mean, you wouldn't get away with doing that now. Is it the loveliest thing that he would leave company to spend time with somebody he never met, um, yeah, just to have and, a, have and a chat? I, it, it goes on even better when we finished our conversation. I said because you know sometimes when you meet stars like that. You know, you don't want to outstay your welcome with them. You know, they're they're not your best buddy as such. It's and it was very polite, and, I, and he was extremely polite. You know, extremely polite, and he spoke to me the same way as I suppose he would have spoken to Bruce Springsteen. Or, you know, he had an interest in in what we were on about. I was telling him that I was born in Sean Ross Abbey, and I was then growing up as. Uh, um, yeah, an illegitimate child in a, in a small community. In As they would say back then, people. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, he was saying, even though he was he was parented, he spent a lot of time in Ireland here with his grandparents. So he kind of tied in a little bit over that. And then I says to him, I tell you what now, Shane, I said, it's been an honour meeting. I said, I said, but I said, my local pub, I said, is just up the road. I said, it's right next door. 
I said, you wouldn't do me a great honour. Oh, honor for God's sake. You, 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 just couldn't, you just couldn't know when you had enough. No, no, definitely oh, not. You know so what I'm like now, Neil? What did you but go and do him, next? I said to him, you wouldn't mind. I said, I come to me, I said, you don't have to. I said, I presume you're busy. And uh, I said, would you come to my local bar? I said, I'll introduce you to... There was Kavanaugh's in Port Leash. I said, I'd like to uh, just introduce you to PJ. He said, I go for one. <laughs> and we left. Now, we had his entourage around. There was two other fellas with him who weren't drinking. They were probably bodyguards or, or whatever. But we walked up the road anyway. And the next thing I walked in to Kavanaugh's on a bank holiday Monday afternoon, I opened the door, I walked in, and Shane McGowan walked in behind me. He says to me, PJ, what are you having? <laughs> you, were sh- you were showing off. I was showing off. And PJ Kavanaugh was standing behind the bar, and it took him about 10 minutes to get his chin up off the ground. <laughs> couldn't believe it. You couldn't, so and, and you know what, you couldn't have rehearsed it any better, to be honest with you. No, no. and you know, it actually... Uh. It, it actually embellished my life having to meet him. Such, so verbally perfect and so lovely story. Lovely co- story. Common, if you want to put it that way, he was he was a man's man, you know. Thanks and for sharing it. Thanks it, for sharing. it was just it was just a moment in my life that I I never ever forget. Had your point then in the other pub? Walked back to him. He reconnected with his fans, and that was the end of it. Yeah, we he stayed there for about ten minutes for the point. The pint was gone down. Uh, the pint was down in literally a couple of minutes, and he was gone. He was gone. I don't know whether he was he was going to some some do up in Dublin. He wasn't performing, but he hadn't intended to perform. But there was some do up in Dublin. I think he was going because he was a great man for charity. You know, didn't didn't know much about aspects of his life apart from the stuff that was always publicised in the papers and the scrapes that he got into. Yeah. But you you portray him as a very beautiful, humble, kind, generous a very, person. A very yeah. beautiful, kind humble genius who probably didn't realise or care about his own genius. He was just that type of person. Lovely. Okay. Thanks for that. An, Thanks so much. He's, he's an amazing man. Point yourself. Lovely story. Thanks for sharing it, PJ. Lovely, lovely story. Absolutely great. Talking about story. Take care. Have a good weekend. Talking about stories, actually. We came across a lovely one um, uh, last night. Um, just going through old pieces of audio and video and the lads found Kiefer Sutherland on uh, one of the episodes of The Late Late Show uh, with Ryan Tuberty and he shared this. And in the back of the bar there was a table set up and there was a group having dinner and the group was Sinead O'Connor, Van Morrison, Ronnie Wood and Shane McGowan. What a group. That's like a super group. Like, yeah, that's something you're never going to see and I knew Ronnie Wood and so he invited me up to say hello and I introduced myself and I said hello and I couldn't help but notice this is how we start our conversation that Sinead O'Connor was drinking milk. Well, good on her. And everybody else was not. (laughs) And I sat down and then the, you know, the cardinal mistake of politics and, Ah. and the history of politics was started being discussed and Shane McGowan, who I did not know. Uh, he and I did not share a similar view on the history of Scotland. And before you know it, the two of us were fighting and we were rolling around on the floor and I remember Van Morrison laughing and I won't get into the fight that yes. much, but it ended. Yes. And I got up and I said, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed, I'm very sorry, and I walked away. And Shane McGowan at that time had a cast on his right arm that looked as well lived in as anything I've ever seen. <laughs> 
And he did not have a lot of teeth <laughs> no, at the no, time that's either. Changed since yet. So fighting just seemed unfair. <laughs> so I excused myself and I, I went to the bar and I had a drink. And, and about three hours later, the bar is almost empty. Everybody's gone. And I get a tap on the shoulder. And it's Shane McGowan. And he says, Oi, I need a place to stay. And I said, you got to be kidding me. Three hours ago, we were fighting on the floor. He said, that was three hours ago. Now I need a place to stay. And I said, well, what about your mates? And he said, they're gone. And I was so kind of impressed with his directness that I said, well, do you want a drink? And he said, sure. So we sat and I had like the that. last drink, walked back to my hotel. Uh, I got out a bunch of blankets and I made a bed for him on the couch and a pillow and he went to sleep and I went to sleep and I got up in the morning expecting him to still be there because it was quite early and all the blankets were perfectly folded. You couldn't have done it better. The pillow was on top of the blankets and as I looked over to the desk, there was a note that he had written on the hotel stationery. And it was the most beautiful letter I'd ever read. Really? Uh, it was like poetry. And it was just a thank you note. It, but it was so generous and uh, the things he had to say about me and our night and yeah. humanity. And, and it was quite long. Yes. Uh, and I've still got this letter to this what day because it changed my perspective. I can imagine. Uh, don't judge a book by its cover and yeah. very rarely trust first encounter. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? And everything in life. Uh, some great stories this morning that people are sharing. And that was Kiefer Sutherland on The Late Late Show. A man who needs no introduction. Uh, the great uh, Dave Fanning. Morning, Dave. Uh, Neil, how are you doing? There all, you are, good uh, man. Did, did, did you, I don't know whether you heard that story, but in all the times yeah. that you met him, any stories like that? You met him, must have met him a dozen times anyway. I probably did. And no, I wouldn't really. It was more kind of, I suppose most of it was under kind of more formal interview situations in some ways. I was with them in London once with the whole band I was usually there was always somebody else there like yeah. three or four times I interviewed himself and Spider together on the radio there was one night in 1988 which um, a few people have mentioned on social media God I remember I don't know how we kept the interview going or why because like, this was RTE in the 1980s and it was really really out there himself and Mary Cockton and a few others had been out at some do and they came to us um, how should I put it four sheets etc to the wind yeah. and uh Within in two minutes, we realised this is a bit of a mistake. An hour and a half later, we said, oh, we're still there. And it was it was Phil Chevron who kind of kept it all together by at least trying to answer some questions. It was quite bizarre. But there's a few things like that. Like, I did interview him a few times. I'm glad that I recorded the interview because it couldn't really be used sometimes. I mean, like, Shane's lifestyle was Shane. He didn't try to make any kind of excuses for it. This is what he does. This is what he is. He's not trying to be a, mom, a, a role model. But, like, you know, would you want it for your kids? No. He took too many drugs and he drank too much. In the sense, you wouldn't be recommend, who'd recommend that lifestyle to anybody? Nobody. Nobody would. And you can see it in Shane. And Shane knew that, you know. I mean, it was, it was bad lifestyle. Having said that, um, from our point of view, like, I mean, the gigs they played. Like, if you think about the kind of, you know, the musicians. I mean, the musicians in the Pogues were really very good, but the tightness of something like the Bobby Band or, or Planksty before that was a different thing. They were, this was raucous. This was mad. This was close to nearly right. And Shane in the middle just going, no, whatever. And everybody really, you just got off on the Pogues and they were live. It was great on that level, you know. But like, I mean, what the Pogues really did, I think, was... In the same way as, and I really have to point this out, that between 1970 and 1980, from the beginning to the very end of Horse Lips, they really did change everything because 
they were just so influential. They played up and down the country in every single place you could possibly imagine yeah. all the time. Yeah. And they took traditional Irish music and they made it rock. In fact, they even made it glam rock yeah. to a point. Yeah. Uh, because And so, like, you know, if you think about it, like, you know, there was Jim Locke out there on the, you yeah. know, on the keyboards and yeah. on the tin whistle and on Devlin, the Ellen Pipe. O'Connor. Gerald yeah. O'Connor on the violin. But, like, it was all there and they Charlie took Fine, and all, Car, you know, yeah. traditional arranged by, you know, horses and that. So the, the exact same thing happened with the Pogues in some ways in, in the 1980s because between the 1983 or four and 1989 they brought out a bunch of albums. The first one, Red Roses, for me and I thought like, it was probably just a gimmick and we'd never hear from them again. And then the next two albums, one produced by Steve Lillywhite, one produced by Elvis Costello who went on to marry the bass player, um, Carlton Reardon. And um you know, they were brilliant albums and fantastic songs. Suddenly realised, okay, there's more to this than meets the eye. What they're doing here is writing great songs, and that's shame it down. And, and what they did was what what Horselips did by rocking up trad. Uh, um, the Pogues pumped up trad and to the absolute chagrin of the traditionalists and it was we had a thing one day believe it or not in RT in the radio in Studio 8 and I don't know who came up with the idea it was bizarre and we had trad guys in and the Pogues and they are the Pogues ruining traditional music it was a big debate it was a live radio but it was just the most bizarre thing ever and the funny thing is if the Pogues had engaged more it would have been even better they were just sneering and laughing yeah, at all this yeah, 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 yeah. and they won out in the end too, because one of the things was that we realised later just how great um, his songs were. Just what a great songwriter. Yeah, and hugely popular here. But I was just doing some, you know, catch up last night as you do. Not, not so much like the BBC banned them or were refusing to play their music and didn't really take to them. You, you recall all of that? I guess the Irish in the UK were very much following their music and attending their gigs massively successful here, uh, but not, not necessarily overseas. No. No, well, the funny thing, I'll give you an example of something. Um, the Mean Fiddler in London, which was, you know, the big pub of the great, like it was one of the great venues for kind of club venues for bands to play in. And it was Vince Power did all those things. He did the Fla in London as well. Now, I used to do the stage announcements at the Fla. And then I also went to the Mean Fiddler every Sunday night for about a year, around 92, I'd say, 91. Yeah. But that stage then, I'd been kicked out of the band. And I used to just just do DJ stuff and I play records every Sunday night and when I played Sally McLennan the whole place and it was like you know, 50% were English people you know the best were Irish and the place went insane compared to every other major song of the day and like it was those little gems on their albums that people who only know Fairy Tale of New York should really check out and realise just how good this music is Yeah Fairy Tale of New York of course became very much synonymous with Shane McGowan and the Pogues and never made if you recall, never made number one in the UK. It did 109 weeks in the Irish charts, but was kept off the top by that god-awful Pet Shop Boys thing, the cover of Always On My Mind. Um, oh, it's funny you should say that, because the amount of people that think that's brilliant and you don't get it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it too. <laughs> which was kind of, which was kind of unfortunate. But that was, that's another story in itself. I don't know if we flogged the story of fairy tale to death about Elvis Costello laying down a wager or something, wasn't it? Well, so I tell you, there's a part to that that's funny. The whole genesis of that song, it just took so long. And we used to, when I was finished on the radio at night, people come up to my house all the time. And I remember watching a 
Beatles documentary when the very seldomly documentaries at that time was called The Complete Beatles with just with Spider Stacy. But, but we used to, people called up all the time and one night um, Frank Murray came up he was the manager of the Pogues and he said we've done it we've finished it I said oh yeah you're making this Christmas thing yeah. so he played it first and this was without the strings and this was like basically a demo tape and to be honest you listen to it once the, 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 we're all there and you think yeah that's great we listen to it again yeah, that's great. now can we get back to listening to the talking heads and have a story and all the other stuff we didn't exactly go oh my god this is going to change the world we never thought about it and to be honest now I mean when you think of the songs like there is an element of I hear the song at the beginning of December today is the first of December of course and you know you, you go uh, oh god it's Christmas I'm the fairy tale of New York again <laughs> within five minutes I slap myself in the face it's the greatest it's just the most fantastic like I, give me you can have your Mariah Carey's and Santa Claus is coming to town it's great but to have a story of two bowsies basically who drink and bet their way through the streets of gold which aren't streets of gold at all and ruin their lives and wake up in the drunk tank on Christmas morning or one of them does and talks about it and it's just and then the power of the strings and the, that bit about the, the New York choir and the boys from the New, and then the whole thing of you know it's the and a cracking stuff. video to go with it at the time yeah well, the, well to be honest now the video looks to me as always made in 10 minutes I mean <laughs> it's, it's like you know it's part of who we are now but it's not a, well there's certainly no sophistication in it, and it's not Mariah Carey thank God but it's, it's also a bit of a mess you know yeah so um, I mean fairy t- so a fairy tale in New York is your antidote Christmas song isn't it it's the it's the yeah, op- it's such a powerful story the poignancy of it it's really like to, to to be able to put a song like that across and to make it into such a powerful Christmas song where everybody understands that not for everybody is Christmas the most wonderful thing and yes this is a wonderful story it's almost heartwarming and it's really sad and it's they wanted Coit but Coit was gone at that stage and nobody thought yeah, of Kirsty McCall apparently yeah she did the lyrics I mean she did like I mean Kirsty McCall was married to producer um, Steve Levi's so like you know Coit was first she was the first on the vocals alright yeah but there's always changes like that in songs and when a song becomes so important they're all kind of elevated to being do you remember the time that you know Elvis Estella did a wager and said you couldn't do a written yeah, song yeah. do you remember the time Coach couldn't do the, you know yeah. these things always get blown out of proportion yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know I won't keep you much longer but like like when you look at his involvement in the Pogues it was kind of stop starty wasn't it I think the band sacked him in 91 why, why was that? Well, when they sacked him, uh, the first thing he said was, geez, I can't believe it took you so long. <laughs> I mean, like, I think, I think, like, and he knew, like, his lifestyle was insane. And I'll tell you one thing, uh, they, he didn't have the band called The Popes. Yeah. But the funny thing is that I went to Amsterdam once with um, The Popes, and the lead singer was Joe Strummer from The Clash. Wow. He, he, he fronted the band. And in fact, the first time the Pogues ever started was they supported the Clash back in 83, 84, around the time that they were bringing out, they're going to bring out the Red Roses from the album. So, you know, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, they sacked it because it was all getting too much. I mean, like, I remember, um, who was it now? I better not say which member of the band, but I, one of them uh, released um, a, a book. They wrote a book, a, a biography an autobiography I think it was James Fernley I'm not too sure which and one of the other members of the band rang me up and said this new Saners yeah what's he say what's he say freaking out that he might reveal some secrets about the person who actually rang me <laughs> you know yeah. because like you know like most bands they were pretty dysfunctional after a while you know and they knew it you know there was a huge cork 
um, love for the Pogues and McGowan. In 87, they played Shiam Sikushli. And I don't know, before that, in 86, they played one of them played one of the most memorable gigs ever. I don't know where you at either. One was a Henry's gig in 86. Um, it was absolutely jammed to the rafters. Elvis Costello was at the gig. And then the big Shiamsi gig, which RT was very much behind at the time. That was the U2 weekend. Do you remember that one? Yeah, with Quo, now. the Tones, the Pogues, and Christie across the weekend. What was the year we put on U two at the back of a truck at the Lark by the Lee? Was that, that eighty five? That was a di- that was that was that was a different area. The one, I, one I'm referencing was down uh, Parky Cueve in the GAA Stadium for Shimsa. Yeah. massive gig. It was a it was an Oliver Barry gig. It was a huge right. weekend. I never saw the Pogues and Cork. I do know that. Yeah. I, I definitely didn't. I mean, I saw them a lot of times in various venues in Dublin. And then that time in Amsterdam, I never saw them in London either. Um, so no, I don't remember being at them like that. But I mean, you know, they 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 were brilliant. You know, they just they were they were, just, they were, they were mad. They were raucous. They were just insane. But like, a price was you know? paid by him, though, wasn't there? Like I, I couldn't oh. help thinking of comparisons between Shane McGowan and and even Brendan Behan. Well, there's two things about that. There was a thing which it can get to you after a while that, like, you know, the more pints Brendan Behan drank, the more of a genius he was. You do get sick of that. And it's not something that I would actually have any support for at all. It's not for me. As I keep saying, Shane was never trying to be a role model. He was always just himself. And I'm saying, take it or leave it. I, you know, I thought it was, it was just not something that I would support, not something that I would be into at all on any level. I mean, it really isn't. You know, a lot of people can have to have a good time, but that's taking it too far. And I always thought Shane took it too far. But I mean, that's his choice. That's what he did. He was made no apologies for it, you know. Nice. And like, I, the reason Shane's got the sick bed, not the sick bed, if you call him them. It's uh, streams of whiskey, and on streams of whiskey, he 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 has a dream at night, and he dreams he meets Brendan Behan in it. So listen to that one and see. It's a great song, by the way. Oh my God, that's incredible! I'm going to play that to finish. Well said, by way of an intro. Thank you so much, Dave. Good to catch up as always. <laughs> Thanks a million. Whiskey, the Pogues, and we're just chatting here. Claire is making the point. Could you imagine what that would be like at a live gig? The Pogues doing that one live and the crowd going absolutely wild. Keep those stories coming. I love them. We were chatting uh, with, uh, and unfortunately, it's the third, no, not unfortunately, but three times this year. I've been talking to Dave Fenning uh, with regards to tributes to people who passed away. Um, of course, uh, Shane McGowan being the third, uh, Christy Dignam and uh, Sinead O'Connor. But the great actor Matt Dillon plays the cop who arrests Shane McGowan in the video of Fairy Tale of New York. He heard that the Pogues were making the video and he begged them to be in it, says Paddy. I love those nuggets of trivia. Do keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Cork's biggest conversation is here. The Neil Brenderville Show is on Cork's Red FM. That's me. Keep your text coming and I'm also asking you to suggest your own uh, Pogues songs. Like uh, Texter here says, I hope you will play A Pair of Brown Eyes by the Pogues. It's another great song by Shane McGowan that doesn't get played enough and it should. We can't just keep hearing Fairy Tale in New York and Rainy Night in Soho over and over. It'd be good to give us other songs to play too. They deserve it. Well, uh, the great KC played uh, pair. Sorry, great KC played uh, uh, 
a fairy tale in New York around about 20 to 9 this morning so I'll give that a miss for now anyway but I will play a pair of brown eyes for sure I will and you can text your other suggestions to 0868 104 106 massive loss to the Irish music industry McGowan Dignam and O'Connor another one did you know that Shane McGowan won a scholarship and went to Westminster School one of the most prestigious schools in Britain that just tells how much of a literary genius he was yes indeed he was only 13 when he got the scholarship sadly I was reading last night it didn't last uh, all that airplay begs the question how much are Shane McGowan and company earning every year out of the royalties from Fairy Tale in New York alone you're spot on there it didn't matter that it didn't go to number one in the UK they still make a fortune according to the Daily Mail Claire tells me the Pogues earn £400,000 like nearly €450,000 in royalties each and every year from the playing of that song alone and Paddy says Shane McGowan was our generation's James Joyce and Brendan Behan RIP big man Neil just to remind you the BBC banned the Pogues because originally they were called the Pogue Mahones and Terry Wogan told the BBC what it meant (laughs) Terry Wogan the whistleblower (laughs) that's why they ultimately changed their name to just the Pogues I did not know that the connection with the tell. The Pogues had a very down-to-earth, tally-ho, happy-go-lucky charm, which is a character rarely seen anymore in what is now a very sophisticated Ireland. But no denying that Drink and the Sigs shortened and eventually took his life a lot earlier than he would have lived, uh, says Morris. Great text this morning, guys. Really very pleasured, very happy and uh, glad that you're uh, sharing them. So keep them coming. Text 0868-104-106. For fear that I forget, in other news, just briefly, every, every single year at this time of the year, the start of December. There's a big coffee morning in aid of Marymount. It's one of the biggest coffee mornings on Leaside in aid of Marymount Hospice. It's Bridie's annual coffee morning and it happens this Sunday. Bridie's my sister-in-law incidentally and you won't get a more charitable person or family. So Sunday the 3rd of December 9 o'clock at Ballinlock Community Centre. There's a big coffee morning and all of the proceeds in aid of Marymount Hospice. She and those that get involved in it have raised tens and tens and tens of thousands over the years. I think they've been doing it like 29, 30 years now. So the spin the wheel, Christmas cakes and a pudding sale. Bring all the kids. There's a children's corner there. And Santa Claus will also be visiting. So it's this coming Sunday in aid of Marymount, Ballinlock Community Centre, Sunday at 9 a.m. Be part of it. It's a wonderful, wonderful start to the Christmas month of December. Text 0868 and we'll pick it up after 10. Now. Show. Red FM. Lovely text this morning and lovely conversations and stories regarding people who met or knew or bumped into or loved the music of the late Shane McGowan. We're celebrating his life and his music this morning and I'm asking you guys to pick the songs and um, delivering on promises. This one was also chosen and at the text, I don't have it in front of me now, but was making the point that it would be a lovely tribute to two people who we lost this year. Not just Shane McGowan, but also um, the late great Sinead O'Connor.
McGowan and uh, of course Sinead O'Connor with Haunted. Thank you so much Tony. says a great song with Shane McGowan and Sinead O'Connor Haunted. I hope they're now in heaven singing together. They were very very close. So I was reading many of us were probably doing it the same as me last night just reading different stories from down through the years and uh, way back along that's a long time ago um, Sinead O'Connor had to call the uh, Metropolitan Police in London because she found him collapsed uh, in his uh, apartment uh, in a very very bad state and had to call the obviously the paramedics and an ambulance came and and the police came and everything it had to do with uh, a small amount of of heroin uh, that was then subsequently found by the police there and that then led to a, a police investigation um, and if I remember the time correctly uh, there he was he was lucky in, in one sense um, I think he, he obviously had lots of demons and lots of problems in his life and and many more subsequent to this incident but uh, he got caught he got a caution as opposed to a criminal prosecution at the time uh, in the UK for that incident and of course had it been a criminal prosecution it would have been very different with regards to the impact of course the impact on his life with regards to heavy drugs and what have you but certainly on his ability to tour and aspects of his career but anyway that's just uh, another story and many people have many of them this morning including uh, Kieran delighted to catch up with somebody who was at not one but two gigs on Lee's side Kieran's out in Blackpool morning good morning Neil um, first up you saw well, you, you were at the Henry's gig it was one of the best concerts ever in my life. Okay, so we're talking about Sunday, January fifth, nineteen eighty-six, at Henry's, um, just yeah. just after Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash. What was it like that gig? It, it was packed to the rafters, and I never forget that um, before the gig, before the polls played, uh, it was uh, they introduced uh, the support act, and it was Elvis Costello, Elton McManus. And that was amazing as well. He did about four or five songs and he walked off the stage and people were just stunned that it was him. You, he, he wasn't expected to be there, let alone in the crowd. He played. He played because he was married, I think, at the time with Kyle Reardon and yeah. Kyle Reardon was the fiddle player with the Pogues. But they, they estimate that there was maybe 500, 600 people at that gig packed into packed, a reasonably small venue and I remember coming out there was sweat coming down the walls <laughs> <laughs> it was just amazing the atmosphere must have been electric people were six feet off the ground I'd say well like Sir Henry's was the music venue of, of Cork City at the time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and we're... they had some amazing acts there Big borrow a ticket for that one. What about the Parky Queeve gig, which would have been the year after, I believe, wouldn't it? That would have been. Well, that was another amazing weekend. August '87. Thanks to Oliver Barry, he brought a. They were at the same weekend. You had you two your status quo. I think you'll be forty play there. Wolf Tones, and you the Pogues, yeah. Christy Moore. Um, I think that was at the time of. Uh, just trying to work out the exact date of it. Um, big gig on Lee's side. No, I can't remember the name of the. Oh yeah, I do remember. You two had just released the Joshua Tree, I think, hadn't they? That's it. It was yeah. the Joshua Tree tour, and that they was staying, staying as well up in Jory's, and a gay crashed the party up there. <laughs> Tell us about the party then, will you? It was uh, Tom Mullally. He was uh, one of the road crew with uh, with you two. And he was from uh, Farnley. <laughs> and and he spotted me, and uh, we 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 got in, and we had champagne <laughs> inside the the hotel. It, at, at at the party, you got in. 
Yeah. And, and nobody kind of wondered what band you were with or who you were well, working with. Yes. The, the we were with the road crew with Stay School and we just walked in. It was, <laughs> I was with their, myself and the buddy. And who was at it? Was it a quo party or were other bands there? No, it was it was packed. I, I, I couldn't remember because the place was fairly full and there was just unlimited amount of drink there. <laughs> was McGowan there? He, he, I heard he was there but I didn't meet him and... Uh, he was out, actually didn't get to bed and he played in the Parky Keeves the following day oh my in, an almighty, in an almighty set. Oh my God. That's the best kind of party, isn't it? The party you gate crash. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. So that was the Parky Queeve gig. That was an entire weekend of magic and the one preceding that, a gig that would be never... It's up with the Kurt Cobain gig, I'd say. Would you think it would be? Oh, it would be, absolutely. You know, it was to just... It was one of their best albums, Rum Study Me in the Lash. And it was a fantastic written uh, album. And it did very well for them as well. And it went into the Irish charts. Yeah, sad to hear he passed away yesterday. Undoubtedly, he would uh, be. Yeah. Absolutely a legend. Great stories we're hearing this morning. Kieran, thank you. You're the legend. Thanks for sharing two great gigs that he happened to attend, prime, particularly if you were to hone in on one of them, uh, the Henry's gig um, with uh, Shane McGowan and the Pogues. Dave, good morning. Yeah, hello, how are you? Sad old mornings, but at least we're trying to celebrate his life and his music. Uh, tell us about your thoughts on uh, the great Shane McGowan. Yeah, I, I was saying to your colleague there, you know, Earl and gone down two times, we've had so many great... Not a great phone line, Dave. Any chance you could move around just to a wee bit, see if it improves? <coughs> oh, well, uh, I was saying to your colleague, can you hear me now? Yeah, a little better. Go ahead, yeah. Um, I was saying over the years, Ireland has had many great posts. And it's only seldom we had great um, musical poets. And of course, Shane was number one there. We we had Christy. We have Christy. We still have Finney, Finney Fiore. And it's very seldom we got musical poets. Would you not throw Gallagher in amongst the mix there, though? Well, well, Gallagher was Gallagher was more uh, blues, rock and roll. I'm I'm the number one Gallagher fan, and uh, Gallagher was more. Uh, <clears throat> Blues, rock and roll. You see, but I mean, read poetry, put into okay. music. Okay, thank you. Putting in and perspective then, like that, yeah. So, do you see? I, do you see McGowan play? Yeah, I did. I remember I, I, I lived in Germany for thirty-five years, and I was in Berlin. And when I heard the, uh, I think it was eighty-six, they were they were playing Sir Henry's in Cork. And uh, so it was eighty six, January eighty six. Yeah, we came off the cock for that, and uh, I knew some security on the door. Some uh, there was a guy around cock that time, uh, uh, Hopkins, Christy Hopkins, a great friend of my family. He used to do security at Rory Gallagher gigs and everything else, all all gigs like that. He left. Uh, he he got us in to Henry's, and it was a brilliant night, brilliant. Um, I think... Uh, Not for the faint-hearted or people who are afraid of crowds, I'd say. <laughs> I think Elvis, I'm not sure, but I think Elvis Costello was... Uh, he did play also it. ...on the same gig. He anyway, did. I'll tell you something funny about this, Neil. I went back to Berlin, and I, I was uh, doing landscape and forestry. That was my job. And at that time, I was working for the Berlin City Council. You know, we were taking... In Berlin, there's a lot of power and ponds in the park and we would doctor the trees and take down the bad trees the sick trees and 
I was at the gig in Henry's. I went back to Berlin, <laughs> and a few days later, uh, a few sorry, a few weeks later, the Porks were playing <laughs> Deutschlandhalle in Berlin, <laughs> and I managed to get a few tickets for that. I surprised a few German friends, <laughs> and I already had the tickets even before I went to the Pork gig in Carlton. So Henry's. And I, I went back on the job, you see, and there was a bit of an accident. One fella, he almost lost a leg on the job. Uh, a big slab of concrete uh, slipped the pulley, and my arm was in job. I, was, I had to get past the pelvis. Yeah. And two days later, <laughs> came a bone, and uh, the Pope were playing Deutschland Haller. So I went along to that console, which passed the pelvis. <laughs> <laughs> And the place was so full and warm, and and the heat, the place the palace cracked, it simply cracked. From the heat and from the atmosphere, and probably from the moisture and the humidity, it's not a great, it's not the best phone line in the world, Dave. Unfortunately, um, but it's great to get your thoughts and your memory. Are you home now, or did, is Germany still home for you? What? Listen, listen. After the concert in Deutschland, Halle. I went to the hospital after midnight, you see? Yeah. To uh, get a new Persepolis, and there was a young doctor putting the Persepolis on my hand. Yeah. And uh, he asked, where do you come from? And I said, uh, it's been here, I come, I come from Ireland. And he said, oh, I just came, I just came on duty. I was at Game McGowan in <laughs> Deutschland, Halle. And I said to him, that's where I was, and that's where the Persepolis broke. <laughs> <laughs> it fell apart. All right, listen, lovely story. Thanks. My apologies for the quality of the phone line. John, good morning. Morning, you're well. Okay, so we're backstage at a gig, is it, for Arthur's Day. Uh, 15 years. That's well gone now. Do you remember Arthur's Day? How long ago was that, Gov? 10, 15 years ago? Uh, it was about 12, 15 years ago. This time was. What, was that, a, what was that lark about? It was celebrating all things Guinness, was it, or Irishness or something? Yeah, it was. To celebratory of art or it was uh, it was on in September I can't it remember it was a big was marketing a, thing we all were supposed to raise a glass to Arthur at midnight or some midday or something that was know. a bit of crack anyway okay. <laughs> okay go ahead anyway sorry for interrupting go on you're gone um, there was uh, well he was playing for Arthur's day uh, Shane it was above in a place called the Gypsy Rose pub along the quays in Dublin it was closed oh no but downstairs and it was uh, average sort of venue I suppose like the Crane Lane there in town yeah. and I tell you now I've never absolutely mental um, but for, well first I tell you when he first came on he was singing Dirty Old Town and I thought straight away oh god he's absolutely demented drunk he won't even last 10 minutes he was falling over off the stage into the crowd and there was two security guards in front of the stage holding him up and he had two big bottles of wine he was drinking it down ah, while he was singing cruel, isn't it? That's cruel, that's cruel No, no, it was when he was finished that song then he belted out the Irish Rover dropped the bottles of wine started to dance around it was all an act <laughs> I swear to God <laughs> um, you, but, you, you had a chat with them was that the same night? Yeah, um, doing the gig was over uh, as things do, whatever. I ended up backstage anyway, and I asked the owner, Bob, what does he usually drink? He said G and T, so I got him a G and T. Went went up to him, 
And uh, I just said to, to Victoria, can I say hello there? And uh, she said, oh, of course, of course. And uh, I said, Jesus, Shane, you're an absolute legend. I'm not even too sure what to say to you, but this drink is for you and thanks for your music. And I, I said, I'm not too sure what to say to you. He said, where are you from? And I said, a small village outside Clankilty in West Cork. And he said, Christy started talking with me about the Battle of Kinsale. He was telling me how the battle, the amount of hundreds and thousands of people died from the cold because there was a volcano went off in South America and it ended up being black dark in Ireland for six months throughout the winter. Oh my God. Like, he was probably uh, telling you of Red Hugh O'Donnell and O'Neill traipsing from Northern Ireland through the snows and the ice oh of the entire my God, country yeah. to get to Kinsale, um, yeah. Wow, like his knowledge. Absolutely epitones. Uh, the description of like... Uh, don't judge somebody by their looks sort of thing like I know that was the impression you got absolutely and also the, the West Cork connection he'd have been well versed in the likes of the great the big fella um, oh, yeah. Michael Collins Tom Barry Tom Barry as well he was fierce interested in Tom Barry but and like uh, like the, that was just the thing about him that complete genius but uh, just a wild genius, I suppose, which a lot of geniuses are. Yeah, I'm amazed that he, he had no problem giving people time, the respect of time, you know, and, you know... That was the beautiful thing about him. Very yeah. approachable, you know, PJ was yeah. saying the same when he met him up in up in County Tipperary, and, and you're saying something yeah. similar. He was never in a rush, you know, he wasn't one of these um, kind of divas, if you like, far from it. Yeah, but... Uh, Oh, Fierce Irish now is up for the crack and I'll tell you a good one there now that you'll get a laugh off of that I read in a, a, a biography of his um, this, oh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember the guy that wrote the biography but I only came out there about two or three years ago but um, for a good couple of years there Shane was renting out a house renting out a house from Bono the house was down in Hort big huge back garden but the back garden was going down onto the like the dart was passing blow at the bottom of the back garden and uh, oh Shane used to run around the back garden with the with a Bono mask on completely naked <laughs> and for a few years everybody thought it was actually Bono running around the place naked <laughs> <laughs> you gotta oh love it like. yeah, you gotta love it you'd love it if somebody had a drone <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta love it um, <laughs> Martin Noel, or uh, Neil, yeah. uh, you're always playing your live music there on uh, Fridays, but and fair play to you always. Yeah, we have more this morning to play out some more cock bands, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I don't know, you, you might squeeze in before the end of the show uh, Shane's version of The Parting Glass, and God be with the fella, legend of a man. Okay, let's see if we can track that down. I'm keen to play, I'm keen to play stuff that normally doesn't get heard a lot, you know, Fairy Tale in yeah. New York, no disrespect, but uh, it probably is overplayed at the stage. Thank you for that John. Let's see if I can track that down. Uh, the Fogues are joining us today for music and obviously with a name like The Fogues, they would be huge Pogues fans. So they're going to be playing us out this morning. We'll do another McGowan song in a few minutes time but first up Richie who also met Shane McGowan and this is uh, in London back in the day. Richie, good morning. Hello. hello. Thanks hello, for yeah. holding. Go ahead. Uh, tell us the story. Um, I was working at a bar in London back in 1996 it was near a recording studio nearby, so the Popes, it would have been after the Pogues, the band he was with then, came into the bar a lot and they would have been drinking in there quite a bit. And, you know, Shane would have been 
pretty drunk most of the time now, so he wouldn't have kind of got much chat out of him. But one day he came in on his own and he was sober, completely sober. And he came up to the bar and he asked for his drink and he heard my accent. Then he started talking to me and he was asking me where I was from. I said, I'm from Kilkenny. He said, oh, I'm from Nina. He was just asking me about how long I'd been there and was I enjoying myself and where I was going and all this kind of thing. And he was just really, really nice and really normal kind of guy. And you got the impression that he actually cared, did you? Yeah, absolutely. And he wanted to know about me. And then he got his drink and he said, oh, here, have a drink for yourself when your shift is finished. And that was kind of it. Like, And he just seemed like a normal, nice person. And I was kind of absolutely starstruck. I was like, oh, my God, Shane McGowan is standing in front of me. And, <laughs> and when you say standing, wasn't he a giant of a man? He was tall enough, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember, yeah. we, I yeah. remember, like, uh, interviewed him. Um, I'll talk more about that later on. But I remember when I interviewed him, he came into a studio, and it was almost as if he had to bend down. It struck me that he had to bend down to get in the door frame. He was big and imposing, and this was when he was at his best. Of course, in recent years, we sadly saw the diminished Shane McGowan, but. Uh, he was a, he, he really kind of imagine that he kind of owned his presence in the room. He stood out, didn't he? Well, he certainly had that kind of punk rock look about him. He was about thir- in his late thirties at that stage. Mm, mm, mm. And, yeah, it was just a re- it just struck me how nice he was and how he he kind of started the conversation with, with me because I would I didn't know what to say to him. It was Shane McGowan. Like. <laughs> yeah, the, the the whole drink aspect though, and and you worked in the trade. Uh, it was kind of it was kind of sad though, wasn't it? Um, that you never ever saw him without one in his hand. No, like I mean, the second he came into the bar, obviously he got his drink, and sure, an hour later, then he was completely incoherent. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. He's tortured he in that a, regard. So a couple of like, one day he fell asleep in the toilet, and I think he was like unconscious, drunk in the toilet. So he had a minder with him, but a minder and another guy from the band were carrying him out of the public. That's sad, man. And one of the guy was one of the guys was going, "Oh my God, he has to play a gig. He had to go for a gig." Like, he wasn't going to a gig then, was he? No, he was playing with. He's actually performing. Like God Almighty! Oh my God, that's sad yeah. though. You know, it really yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. It is sad. But I suppose that's not what picked out to me. Now, what picked out to me was how nice he was when he came. Totally. He no, I get that. That's a lovely story. Thanks for sharing it. Appreciate it, Shane. Thank you. Oh, sorry, Richie and his um, encounter with Shane McGowan in Balmoral Castle in London back in 96 in the pub he was working in. Okay, a lot of songs being chosen this morning and I'm happy to oblige. And there's uh, another lovely backstory to this one. I mean, many people do versions of it. One of the most beautiful, of course, is Christy Moore's version. Uh, but you got to go right to the source on a day like today for a pair of brown eyes. Jim McGowan and the Pogues and a pair of brown eyes. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. I remember interviewing uh, Shane McGowan, um, as we, as they say in the UK, in the other place, um, a different radio station, obviously. Um, self and Ronnie Drew, Drew came into studio, and I was chatting particularly mentioned that song to Shane McGowan. I think I said anyone who could write a song as beautiful as that would have to have a really, really good and beautiful heart. And he kind of battered it away, actually. Um, he didn't really want to want to go there and was much more humble than I actually thought he would be. But he was a very humble man. I don't have that audio anymore, nor do I have the, the rights to play it, obviously, which is, which is a shame because it was a lovely interview, not just with him, but another superstar in his own right, the great Ronnie Drew, 
from the Dubliners because they were uh, on a bit of a tour and a bit of a scove around Ireland at the time and, and popped in and it was amazing thing. I suppose we all inevitably knew that you know death comes to all of us but you can always kind of tell you know that you, you watch somebody's life and um, you know how they live their life and the lifestyle of their life and you wonder you know that candle is going to burn out way too soon and I think to some extent we're not surprised when it doesn't happen when that actually sorry we're not surprised when it when it does happen uh, too soon and I think his wife Victoria Mary Clark is a wonderful woman I've spoken to her on a number of occasions on the air she really is great um, I think she possibly without wanting to second guess it but I think she and, and uh, Shane might have wanted to be at home amongst his things or his gibbles and you know all of the possessions of his home to pass at home as opposed to pass in hospital and certainly that was able to happen for him so that must be some consolation to them. Now uh, more music to come and indeed stories and texts and what have you but a little bit of housekeeping for you. Oh incidentally we're talking about talking to barmen and stories regarding pubs and what have you. I do see a lovely press release come in this morning. It's a lovely touch and I'd love to hear of more things like this. The Oyster Tavern uh, as they say one of Cork's most stylish and most popular venues has just announced that they're offering free Heineken Zero to all designated drivers for the whole month of December and I think that is a wonderful thing whether it's I, I love Heineken Zero I prefer it on draft I think if you have a pint of Heineken Zero you really don't know the difference same for bottles I'm not a huge fan of bottled beer uh, the Heineken Zero in bottles is nice but the the draft is superb so it's fantastic really because um, they're doing their thing and making their effort uh, to keep people safe. And also, as they're saying from the Oyster, they're saying the nightmare of trying to get a Christmas taxi or the lack thereof of Christmas taxis. That's a fabulous idea. And I'd love to hear of other pubs, actually, if you are in the pub trade and you have other kind of initiatives like the Oyster Tavern, a fabulous place inside in the city. Let us know what you're doing because they've raised the bar very high at the Oyster, if you'll pardon the pun, with free Heineken Zero to all designated drivers for the whole month of December. So that kicks off from today. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Back to calls uh, and texts in a moment, but we have another €300 Euro Hanley's gift card to give away, our fifth and final one, and there'll be great shopping at Hanley's uh, Christmas shop this Christmas weekend because the Christmas trees have arrived. They've got the Machia ones indoors and the fresh one outdoors. We have a €300 Euro voucher to give away again this morning. We're asking you to nominate someone who you think deserves it could be a friend, a buddy, a workmate, a family member, a group, a charity, whatever you like. So the person who you think deserves it, please text 0868104106. And we start reading out those texts between 11 and midday. So that's a 300 euro Hanley's gift card. And you can check out Hanley's of Cork for everything you need for Christmas, indoors and outdoors. Decorations, outdoor lighting, indoor lighting, everything you need. It's all there waiting for you. Meanwhile, we also have our final family passes to give away uh, this week anyway uh, for the opera. Now, the curtain goes up tomorrow, Saturday, at the Opera House for Nanny Nelly and the cast of Jack and the Beanstalk. And you can book direct directly at the box office or online, corkoperahouse.ie. We have more family passes to give away when I open the phone line. And that'll be around about quarter to midday. So here's the cue to call you're listening to. Don't call until you hear this, right? Don't call until you hear this. You'll be a dirty-looking idiot not to book Dirty looking idiot. He's, t- he's taking my line. I had that line all week. You'll be a dirty looking idiot not to book. You're the dirty looking idiot. Stealing my line. So we'll play that again sometime between now and a quarter to midday. Phone lines open. Family passes for Jack and the Beanstalk at the Cork Opera House. Back to calls and I'll read some texts in a few minutes' time. So, Sean, good morning. Thanks for holding. Hi, Neil. Good morning. It's lovely you? to hear people sharing all of their stories. Amazing the amount of Cork people that bumped into him over the years. Go ahead yourself. 
I never actually bumped into him personally, I know. Uh, Neil. But uh, I, I, I saw him. I was just having Claire there. I, the first time I saw him was uh, would have been in Tipperary actually, above all places in 1991. That's cool. Um, yeah, he played. He played. He played actually on the the, the trip to Tip. If you remember the trip to Tip in Turles. That's right. And the last time you saw him then was um, <clears throat> what twenty eighteen. Yeah, twenty seven years after then, Neil. I was uh, there was a festival <clears throat> on in uh, Liverpool <clears throat> on the Pierhead in Liverpool on the quayside of the Mersey in in July of two thousand and eighteen. It was uh, it was organised by um, Vince Power of the Mean Fiddler. Mean Fiddler. Who played that? London. Who played that gig? Incidentally, the Liverpool Fesh. Oh, there was a. Uh, <clears throat> second, I two seconds earlier, I, I, I had the line up here in front of me. Van Morrison was headlining. Imelda May, the Chieftains, Carlos Flowers, uh, Foy Vance, uh, the, uh, Shane McGowan, uh, uh, Aslan were there as well the same day. Aslan. All Irish bands. Don't forget all, the great Damien Dempsey played. So Aslan played. Damien Dempsey, well. Monday, the whole half was there. Oh you know? my God, what a gig. It was amazing day. It was the summer of 2018. If you remember the summer of 2018, it was a really, really hot summer's day. And uh, in July, <laughs> I, take I, remember start, I was down there at 12 o'clock uh, in, in 12 noon. Monday was on straight away and right through the day. But anyway, it came to the finale, uh, finale, finale and, and, and um, Van Morrison was on stage, Chieftains, for the finale, all the bands came out. And Shane came out then for uh, two songs. He sang Dirty Old Town and I think it was um, Fiesta. But it was, I knew like Neil, it was going to be like he came out in the wheelchair in bad health as you know back uh, uh, you know the last yeah, six, seven years yeah. but anyway he sang those songs absolutely 100% perfect 100% like he did ever he was amazing like you know, you'd, I, you'd, I, you'd, I, you'd look at him and wonder he's not going to be able to but he always did he always did like he did like whatever like you, you, you can remember now doing interviews there and stuff over the years he wasn't great in interviews and stuff there but when he came on stage when he started playing it when he played the concert when he had to sing like he was like a different he was just, just transformed it was unbelievable like you know it was just uh, yeah 65 like, 65 and, though very young you know 65 oh. yes but he had a long you know he did, for a man that had a, you know his, his his demons and stuff there but he had a good life he had a, a good life you know of, of, of music and he enjoyed himself he, you know he had he had um, he toured all over the world there he was, was loved yeah, there was a quote actually because you know one of the things that people used to say whether it was the 90s the noughties the 10s or the 20s people were saying yeah. he had a death wish and he said yeah. he did not have he said he did not have a death wish if he had a yeah. death wish he'd have been dead a long long time ago yeah yeah but no the uh, like you know yourself you know, I know you're talking about Fairytale in New York but like for me personally when I hear the Fairytale in New York every every Christmas like I have to wait I, I, all the other songs might be, be played but until I hear that song it's not Christmas until yeah, I hear the Fairytale which, in New York but, but even think? that in itself became controversial because I, I wouldn't Indeed. play I wouldn't Indeed. play the beeped version right um, no, I think, I think it's, you know, like when a song is written, you know, like there's lots of other songs out there with very uh, explicit uh, lyrics and stuff there, and yeah. you know, there's another. Uh, yeah. And like, it became quite like, divisive, though. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, you know, it's it's I'm you know, you know, thinking of of Victoria, um, uh, Siobhan Morris, his dad is still alive and stuff, but. Uh, yeah, so um, a legend, you know, nice fantastic. Nice we lost like three, three gone this this year, Neil. You know, Sadly. Christy Dignam, Sinead, and and now the uh, Shane all in one year. It's you know a big loss to the country. Thank you so much, Sean. Appreciate your contribution this morning. I just mentioned the um, somewhat divisiveness of parts of the lyrics of Fairy Tale in New York. It's it's worth remembering though that I think in, in even in the even in the eye of the storm of that controversy at the time when a beeped version came out and the Americans were complaining and they were complaining in the UK. And God knows there were people complaining here as well uh, and wanted the lyrics changed. McGowan, 
stayed out of it. Although he was asked about it on a number of occasions and he had no problem at all with the lyrics being beeped out, the words that he thought that some people might find offensive. He, he told the story of the time and why it was written through the eyes of the characters in the song. Um, the two characters in the song and how they worked and their relationship and the breakdown and all attached to it. But he, he never had any issue at all. Such was the strength of the man, I suppose. Or, or maybe this, he, was, he was just happy in his own skin. That he had no problem with anybody who wished to have a different version of it or who didn't want those particular words mentioned in the, in the, in the, in the audio playing of it. He didn't, uh, he didn't, he didn't row in on that at all. He was, he was quite happy because he, he didn't want to be in any way, shape or form, upsetting anybody. Uh, a lot of text then. You should have a listen uh, to and maybe play A Christmas Lullaby by Shane McGowan. The links are as apt today as they were back then, says Stephen. Haunted. I played it actually, so I hope you're happy with that, those that were texting. Thousands are sailing. Listen to the lyrics. Best, best song ever about immigration. Please, please do play it, says Connie. I'm endeavouring to play ones that you wouldn't normally hear on air. Uh, play the Pogues version of Walsing Matilda for the Irish in Australia. The finest version ever. Um, you play Summer in Siam, one of his best songs. A beautiful song by Shane and song by Liam Clancy is called The Broad Majestic Shannon. It's really poignant and beautiful, says Terry. I'd say John Creedon last night did credit to Shane McGowan, I would think. Uh, I, if anyone can do it, I know that Creedon would have done it well last night. Uh, I'd say the best three people to have a drink with over Christmas would be Oliver Reed, Roy Keane and Shane McGowan. They'd tell you some stories. I couldn't disagree with that. Dirty Old Town Neil by Shane McGowan and the Pogues, says Dennis. Uh, and more here for the Broad Majestic Shannon, Misty Morning, Albert Bridge, uh, which is an important song to the London Irish. Three Irish gone in the same year, Christy, Sinead and and Shane. Um, you can add Cahill Call into the list of the great Irish songwriters we lost this year, Neil. Don't forget. Thank you for reminding me. Tom Mullally, you mentioned on the air, is from Galabi Street on the corner of 98th Street. He was my first cousin and would hate to be, classi- and would hate to be classified as a nori like myself. <laughs> Uh, I was on the train coming from Dublin and the Pogues were having a great party opposite me. I never saw so many bottles of beer. They wouldn't get away with it now. Staff and personnel on Irish Rail now would take it off the Pogues on board an Irish Rail train. The Irish Rover, a cracking tune. And two final ones for now. Uh, I worked front of house in the Opera House in the 90s. It was around the time the Pogues split up and became the Popes. The band were on stage, ready and waiting for Shane to appear. Shane had gone missing. I was told to go to the nearest bar and I found him round the corner in Cashman's. He was oblivious to the fact that the band were on stage. It took me five minutes to get him out of the bar. When we got back to the opera house, he wouldn't go up the stairs until until he had a pint of neat vodka. I think that's fair sad. He lowered the pint of vodka back, went on stage and rocked the place. Thank you for that. Thank you for that memory. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Okay, last hour of the show, and in this hour, we have uh, panto tickets for the Opera House. Don't forget that. And a 300 euro voucher for Hanley's to give to whomever you choose deserves it. Text 0868104106 and nominate somebody you think deserves the 300 euro voucher to spend at the, at the Christmas shop at Hanley's at the Kinsale Road roundabout. Now, I just want to, it's my last hour actually, because Mick Mulcahy is here. Uh, next week but we had a big response and I'll come back to McGowan Shane McGowan music and more stories and people who have met her have fond remembrances of the great man who died yesterday at the age of 65 but yesterday just ahead of uh, another song can I just catch up on some texts because they you know, won't be here next week and they're very valuable texts from last week we were talking about landlords we were talking about rent we were talking about overholding tenants that overhold 
uh, that just stay on and uh, also some awful stories yesterday of people wrecking and trashing properties. Here's a few of those. That woman landlady isn't alone in her experience. Exactly the same thing happened to me. The best renters I had were students who went home every weekend. I have to say the RTB is not fit for purpose, certainly when it comes to landlords or landladies for that matter. As a landlord, I'd comment as following on follows on tenants' rights with the upper or the PRTB, the government, the PC shower, the rent caps, etc., etc. Um, there's just it's too, it's too loaded against the landlord. I suppose the point is being made. Texter goes on to say, I have great tenants, but I also see other landlords who are colleagues of mine. Uh, but uh, remember, we are professionals. They have had houses wrecked. They've had tenants not paying. They've had tenants not paying and going and leaving waste behind. We borrow huge money. We take huge risks buying properties. We pay the agents. We pay for the maintenance. We pay for all of the grading of the properties. We do all the above to house people and make some money. It's a business at the end of the day. The city council does none of the above and they get away with blue murder with the shanty towns they're allowing people to live in. The government has turned us upside down with the costs, private landlords. The reason landlords are exiting en masse is the fear of Sinn Féin in government, basically torturing us for trying in life to better ourselves and to make a go of things. It's bad now, but God help anyone with property after the next general election. I have to correct the landlady, another comment here on the air with you yesterday on her comment. that She said they're all the same in reference to dirty tenants. Um... I, I, I challenged her on that point, actually, if you remember the conversation yesterday. But anyway, I'm a renter and myself and my family are immaculate. I moved into this house recently and had to have the whole place painted because when we moved in, it was filthy. I've had to replace mouldy blinds, mouldy curtains, a carpet that was black with the dirt, and I deep cleaned every last thing in here. It took me almost a year to find a house to rent, and this was the best I could get beggars can't be choosers but I'm happy now to have a roof over my head and I'm terrified to rock the boat with the landlord so I sort everything out myself it's very unfair of your caller to tarnish us all with one brush some landlords are filthy too maybe she should vet her tenants better there are enough people out there desperate for a rental property it's not like she's stuck to rent it keep my details private I certainly will fair play to you and I suppose in the in the climate that we live in now, landlords can get away with renting what you had to take and to fix up yourself because they know there's someone around the corner who will do it instead. On the Limerick councillor who wanted people shot, uh, the Limerick councillor must have had his Muslim hat on. If it was an Irish person who said that, the do-gooders will be all over it, says John in Cove. Mary Lou calling for McEntee and the Garda Commissioner to resign. Um, this is coming from a party, of course, who have a fairly checkered, checkered uh, background, as in Kettle calling the pot black. Um, and then one or two more on the Limerick Councillor, I'm ready to say. I totally agree, really. I totally agree with what the Councillor suggested about the scumbag vermin. They must be put in their place so people can live without fear. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah, do that. But I don't think taking people out and shooting them is the answer to it, is it? Um, and what about the Green Party councillor who said that the thugs were the victims too. That's true. We just fact-checked that. The Green Party councillor, Donna Cooney, said that the young people involved in last week's riots in Dublin are victims as well. Never knew that. Glad I know that. Feel sympathy for them now. Um, Why would you read out bylaws from Bangladesh? Well, the reason I did is because I was trying to work out why a Bangladeshi-born councillor in Limerick would be talking about having people beaten in public or indeed shot in the head. 
and there is legislation and laws for it in Bangladesh. The, anyway, the man is a citizen of this country and therefore he must follow the rules like you and I. He's the Deputy Lord Mayor, a councillor, a member of Fianna Fáil. If those comments are not a sacking offence... And if he's not charged with incitement to hatred, then we are, as a free society, absolutely goosed. You'll be censored if this government brings in this new law. You'll have to withhold sensitive information in your possession from the public view. Is this the job you've signed up for as a broadcaster to come, Neil? I bet it's not, says Anthony. Well, no. And if it happens and I'm gone, I'm gone. There's nothing I can do about it. I'll have had a good run at it and be thankful for that. I'm even more dismayed by the thought of being in a voting booth in 2025 or sooner and seeing the same faces asking to do even more damage to our beautiful country on the ballot paper. Could you put out an appeal for an independent, levet-headed people to stand in Cork South Central, please? So I can actually vote for someone who respects sovereignty, neutrality, our borders and home ownership. Put me down as a concerned voter, and I certainly will. And then I was talking yesterday about people's um, Spotify playlists. So my my top three were Planksty, uh, followed by Horselips, followed by Fleetwood Mac. That was the year 2023. I just wanted to share this with Neil. My little nephew is Callum O'Shea. He's two years old from County Limerick, and he is Planksty's best and probably their youngest fan. He's in the top point zero zero percent of Planksty fans on Spotify. He listens to them every day to calm him and they help to put him to sleep. No one else will do. Both Callum and Neil have great musical tastes. And I got a photograph then, or a a screen grab, of Callum's Spotify playlist. And he listened to 10,492 minutes of Planksty in 2023 so he puts me in the halfpenny place can I just mention actually with regards to um, Spotify and uh, you know playlists artists get paid they get paid peanuts actually for every Spotify player they tune unless you're Taylor Swift because Taylor Swift earned an estimated 72 million 118,541 pounds and 25 pence in 2023 alone the most streamed artist across the globe so she was with 26.1 billion global streams from that alone just streaming not merchandising albums concerts nothing like that just streaming Taylor Swift so far in 2023 has earned over 72 million pounds sterling think about that Quick mention for you, the Lions Club are doing the collections for homeless people and to feed the hungry this Christmas and they are in Duns in Corraheen Road and also the big Duns in Bishopstown also today. If you want to get along there and support the Lions Club raising money for the homeless and feeding the hungry this Christmas, they're in Duns in Corraheen Road and Duns in Bishopstown right now and right, right across the day. we got calls, texts and comments and tunes after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Right, you'll be back to the phone lines. We go Owen Hogan. Good morning. Uh, Majima, Majima, Neil. I was too fain. Now, you've known, and sadly, he has now left us, of course, Shane McGowan, for over 20 years. Is that right? Um, that's correct, yeah. Firstly, I'd, I'd just I'd like the uh, very sad news in the past of the Shane day yesterday and deepest condolence to Victoria, Morris, Siobhan and uh, extended family and friends. Well said. Um, for, from all here at the Bright Hogan Celtic Supporters Club, um, they must be heartbroken as, as we are too. Ah, if you're with the Celtic Supporters Club, that's a club that was very close to his heart. 
It, indeed it was, yeah. yeah. He was president of the club there for, for the last 10 years or so. Self-appointed, um, I heard, was he? Sorry? Self-appointed. He was self-appointed, yeah. He was self-appointed. Um, yeah, um, Shane was actually asked to, to go over to uh, Glasgow Celtic and be guest of honour at one of the games in, I think it was 2006, 2007. Um, he got such a huge ovation and he, he came out to the a halftime to the Polk song Fiesta. I'm not sure if you know that song. I do. Yeah, that's a celebratory um, upbeat song. And um, Celtic at the time used to uh, play that song every time Celtic scored a goal that scored for 10 seconds they'd play that song yes the time um, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, Shane was so enamoured by the ovation he got and everything um, he, he, he actually came back and uh, informed us that he was going to be uh, president of the, of the club here in Nina so he so became we, president we of the Celtic Supporters Club in Nina, yeah, um, in where, Nina. whose headquarters were Philip Ryan's bar was it? That's correct, yeah. That's correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be very yeah, much at home in the bar, I'd say, from time he, to time, was he? He did. He did like to frequent the bar and and the crack that was going on in it. So, and of course, we all agreed too. It was great. Like he was the figurehead of the club, and we. Um, we actually became the biggest club in, in Ireland then at the time with Shane being the figurehead so um, How was he on a personal I mean I know part of the background to Celtic was it was would have been deemed a pub sorry a, a soccer club that would have been very much the community at heart and set up to feed the hungry I believe was it? 100% and that's the idea that Shane loved he, he loved the idea of Celtic and the idea that Celtic was set up that it was set up in um, we say 1887 and officially formed in 1888 uh, to feed the mostly the Irish immigrants in the east end of Glasgow wonderful and he, 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 lo- he loved the idea of that and that's why he bought into it he he, um, he was a Celtic man uh, true and true loved watching the games with his favourite player was with um, uh, Jinky Johnson but then uh, when he watched Henrik so much he he, he loved Henrik then he used to call uh, goals and dreadlocks that's that was easy what was he what was he like on a personal level then Oh, very, very approachable, um, uh, very amenable, um, always good crack. Um, end of the night, there would always be songs. He, he'd sing, he, he'd sing, he wouldn't have to be to asked to sing or push. He, he would just sing, and we would always end up in the sing song. It was just in him, and it just had to come out. Yeah. Yeah. It had to come out, that was it, yeah. And yeah. that's just just the way it was. With so his know. folks were born and reared in Tipperary, and I think, I think McGowan was born in Kent, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, they moved back to Tipperary for a while and then I think it's seven or eight years of age they moved over to London. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe stayed in Barbican yeah, in London yeah. for a while, I think. And do you guys in Tip, do you have any statue to him? Not yet, but I'm sure I'm sure it's on the way. Um, so uh, there's definitely um, something, something to be We're done. mad for statues here in Cork. We're Anybody that's anyway half Cork. famous gets a statue. So you guys, yeah, you guys yeah. should have one. We should have one. Well, we should because actually, I just the first time I've ever seen I seen Shane, and uh, it was actually in Parky Cueve, and they played support for uh, to you too. It was around eighty six or eighty seven. That's right. right. We were talking sure. about it earlier. Yeah, and, yeah. and actually, uh, t- he, that that day for me changed music forever. They were so good. They blew you two away. It was it was fantastic. And the energy, rawness. 
Shea was at his fitness at the, the fittest at the time. Uh, punk rock, um, Irish style. I've, I'd never seen it before. It changed music for the whole generation. Um, it, it was iconic in what he done and so Correct. unique. It was yeah. just, it was. And you know what? We all knew this day was coming. It comes to yeah. all of us, but for Shane McGowan, way too soon, right? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Thanks for taking the call, Owen. Regards to you. Get working on that statue. Take care. Yeah, we get working on it. If I could just say one other, just one other thing. There was a friend of mine from, from New York. I think he, he, he just gave me a little quote yesterday about Shane. And it was like, he gave us more than he will ever know. As in, what he sounds in his music. And I just, once again, our thoughts and prayers are with fair Shane. Sadly. Well, fair play to you. Well said. Thanks, Owen Hogan, in the county Tipperary. You know, a lot of people have been nominating different songs all morning. And I, I love that because we kind of went off and started doing different tunes rather than perhaps, you know, Know, everybody playing Fairy Tale of New York, no disrespect intended. But here's one, and it's great to play something off a different album. So this would have been off If I Should Fall from the Grace of God. Much requested this morning in a song very close to his heart. Thousands are sailing. and the Pogues and thousands are sailing the story of the Irish immigration, emigration I should say and all chosen by you this morning in memory of the great man. My sister uh, Anne-Marie played piano on the Irish Seas with Shane McGowan Neil. Someone took a picture, it ended up on the front cover of NME New Musical Express magazine uh, She also met him with the Dubliners and he signed her shirt to Anne-Marie Love Always Shane, says Matt in Nusistan. The absolutely bizarreness of the stories of interaction or bumping into Shane McGowan playing piano on the Irish Sea probably on one of the ferries going over and back I suppose oh can I give a quick mention please to Paul O'Neill of the Cove Post Office he retires as a postman in Cove today and he spent the last 40 years delivering letters and he always listens in the post van on his rounds so well done for 40 years of service Paul O'Neill take a bow everybody down there appreciates your effort and your work for 40 years in all sorts of weather enjoy retirement and have a good rest Davin got in touch now I got to tell you the story or not me tell you the story I want um, Lindsay Bennett to tell you the story because I bet we've all had situations like this where we misread a menu I know it has happened to me and it's happened to a couple of buddies of mine but in fairness to Lindsay she's not afraid nor mortified to tell what happened to her Lindsay good morning good morning how are you (laughs) and how are you all above in Belfast is it cold up there like it is down here the other end of the country it's freezing here but it's dry so we have to be grateful would you like a cocktail maybe to warm the cockles of your heart <laughs> I, I honestly it has put me off cocktails for life <laughs> what happened to me you're famous what, what infamous more what? I'd say infamous more so <laughs> what happened <laughs> My husband and I were in London and we had been out for the evening and we got back to our hotel quite late. So we'd have had one or two drinks before we arrived back at our hotel and uh, there weren't many people in the bar and we were sitting chatting to the barman and I don't usually drink cocktails and he gave us the cocktail list. I hear tell you always drink champagne. 
so well, I do. I'm partial to a glass of champagne. <laughs> Hi, Bushy and I, I know. So yes, I love a glass of champagne. I don't usually drink cocktails and I've been on the champagne for most of the day. <laughs> this is my excuse anyway. <laughs> and we were having a bit of crack, as you do, a bit of Irish crack with the barman who was from Sorrento and we'd been there in the summer. And my husband says to me, have a cocktail. You know, you always, you drink the same thing, have a cocktail. So I ordered the cocktail and the young guy behind the bar, he brought it out and he was like, oh, what was it called? Me. I'm just curious, what was the cocktail? It was called a 1980. That was the name of the cocktail. Right. Okay. So he, he brought it out and he brought out gold leaf and he sprinkled gold leaf into it. And he was like, this is 30 year old cognac. And he opened a bottle of champagne. <laughs> A oh, bottle of Cristal. Hang on a second. He opened a bottle of Cristal. Cristal <laughs> champagne. Yeah. Uh huh. So we were just sitting there having the crack. I thought, gosh, this is a really fancy hotel. It was the first time we'd stayed in this particular hotel. I'm not going to name the hotel because I've been back on numerous occasions. Uh, and oh I'm, I'm always frightened in case they still have my credit card and try to take the cost of this over. <laughs> so we're, we're having the crack and. Um, then we, he gave me this big book and he says, will you sign this book for me? And I, I do remember thinking, this is a bit over the top, but I thought it was just because we had struck up such a nice sort of conversation with the guy behind yeah, the bar. Yeah. Hands me the bill, hands my husband the bill. My husband turns around and looks at me and says, read that. <laughs> <laughs> and I read it and I was like, they've got this wrong, they've got it wrong. And I said, shaking like a leaf, I said to the guy behind the bar, is this right? And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. The cocktail is called a 1980 and it's a 1,980 pounds. <laughs> and I went, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> My husband looked at me and said, I am going to kill you. You sort this out. He skedaddled. Uh, he was mortified. He just wanted to be out of there. <laughs> I'm mortified. Left me. And I just said to the young chap, Look, I'm really sorry, but I had no idea. I, I don't have the money to pay for this. Did you say to him, I thought it was £19.80. <laughs> exactly. That's what I thought it was, £19. Because it was set out one nine space eight zero. So <laughs> It's not your fault. There was no decimal point. <laughs> I I do not blame myself in this situation, except maybe I will know now to look at the prices uh, a little bit closer. I've loads of questions for you, but while all this was going on, had you finished the cocktail at that stage? Finished the cocktail. It was a tiny little cocktail. It came in like the uh, the champagne coupe glass. Yeah. It had con. Why I even ordered it? Because it had cognac in it, and that's like a whiskey kind of a taste. So it wasn't even that it was enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even if I had the money, I wouldn't be ordering another one. So it was Crystal thirty year cognac. What does gold leaf yeah. taste like? It's nothing. <laughs> if you imagine. If you have a birthday cake and you have maybe have a little bit of gold spray on it, that's what it tastes like. It doesn't taste like anything. So you say to your man, husband's legged it like, doesn't want to be a part of this yes. at all. You uh-huh. say to him, I don't have the money. How did he respond yeah. to that? He went white on the street. <laughs> <laughs> his manager could see from the corner of his eye that there was something going on. He came over and such a gentleman uh, he was so gracious he totally calmed the situation down because at this point I was ready to have a heart attack <laughs> and he said Mrs Bennett don't worry and go up to your room enjoy the rest of your stay well I was there for another five nights I did not enjoy the rest of my stay <laughs>
my God. They, they weren't looking for stage payments over the next 20 years or anything, no? Listen, I was terrified in case they were going to take the money off my credit card because, of course, you hand your credit card in when you go when you book into the hotel. So, <laughs> and I was I was frightened to bring it. I was frightened to go down your reception and say, "Look, by the way, don't try to take that in case I open so, the can of worms." So, with regards to your good husband, your long-suffering husband, was it all picture, no sound for some time afterwards? <laughs> the, actually, the next day, he he was trying to calm me down. He was like, "Look, they've, they've told you not to worry about it, so let's just try and enjoy <laughs> our time here and not worry about it." <laughs> Do you study menus very carefully now, Lindsay? <laughs> like a hawk. The reading glasses go on. I hold it really closely. <laughs> I ask questions. <laughs> They were very kind, weren't they? In fairness. Very, very kind. And then just before, so it was new, we were there for New Year's Eve. We were celebrating. I just launched a new business and we were celebrating that. And my sister came over on New Year's. Again, got a little bit tipsy and I thought, oh, sure, let's go into the bar again. Um, it was New Year's night and there wasn't anywhere else to go. Well, the manager was there with his family. He wasn't on duty and he uh, he was French and he threw out his arms and he was like, oh, here she comes. I had to drink that bottle of Cristal by myself after I opened it for you. And I said, I'm so sorry. Oh says, Don't worry God. about it. What about the young chap behind the bar? Because he was mortified. He thought he was going to be be slaughtered, I'd say. Yeah. So the manager's like, we had to sack him. And I burst into <laughs> tears. And I was like, oh, it's, what do you mean? I'll, I'll get the money from somewhere. <laughs> I'll find it to sack him. And he was like, look, stop being a drama queen. <laughs> we didn't really sack him. Um, he said, but he said, we train all of our staff to recognise this because it has happened before and we, he was only there a week God love him we train them and we tell them make sure the client when they're ordering this is well aware oh of for God's sake wouldn't they just put a decimal <laughs> point where it's supposed to be and they wouldn't have to train anybody <laughs> there you go solution to the problem oh, and finally did it taste like a 1980 pound cocktail no, it did not. I would. I genuinely would never order it again. Sus, I have learned never ever ruin your champagne by oh putting anything else in I it. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for so much for sharing that. You should be doing stand-up oh, comedy, girl. Well said. Great story. Thanks for sharing. So lovely. Thanks for having me. All on. the best. Good luck to you all in Bye. Belfast, Lindsay Bennett. Actually, I'd love to get more stories like that. Although it'll be Mick Mulcahy will be sharing them with. It happened to it happened to me once actually down in Sheen Falls. It was back in the day when I used to drink wine. I don't know and haven't for years uh, but I was never a big spender um, with regards to going for expensive wines so it was really was kind of dictated by the price really rather than the provenance but I do think that years and years ago let's say it was we, we were down there for the weekend and uh, over the course of two nights we had a bottle of wine on the first night and that was fine and then we asked for the same bottle of wine or what we thought was the same bottle of wine on the second night and I think we had two bottles of it and I thought that it was in and around 40 maybe 45 perhaps at a push 50 punts at the time um, it wasn't our fault actually there was some kind of confusion at the time but I'll never forget it when we got the bill to check out two bottles of wine on it were 500 euro each the the wine below our one that we picked on the wine list was 500 euro and above it was the one that we were drinking at the time which was maybe 45 or or 50 euros so two bottles of them came in at over a thousand euro I nearly collapsed but they were so kind about it just like in Lindsay's case they understood the error and kind of understood that it could happen to a bishop and probably did but a buddy of mine actually had a worse experience I think it was probably on a company credit card so he didn't feel so bad 
Bradford. He had to go back to an accountant. He misjudged. And I don't know whether it was in Ireland or whether it was overseas. It might have been in Spain. I'm not quite sure. But it was certainly a jolly that they were on. And he mistook the decimal point as well, where it should have been 7-0 point. It was actually 7-0-0 point. So he ended up paying 1,400 euro for two bottles of wine when he thought it should have been 140. So it can happen. It can happen and it has done. But share your own stories like that, if you will. Text 0868-104-106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Well, the times they are changing. All right, I see Cork Bureau this morning reporting that the sign has been taken down over the Savoy this morning. That classic sign that went up originally in May 19th. 1932, but it was taken down earlier this morning. A big cherry picker went up at 7 o'clock. Cork Bureau saying they took the sign down. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering whether or not that's actually a protected structure. I remember something like this happening as well with the modern some time ago. Now that cinema opened in 1932 and up went the sign. It's an Art Deco uh, frontage. Uh, you'll know it. It's, it's like large gold letters against a blue background. Now it could be taken down temporarily and they may put it back up again. I don't know. Sites up for huge redevelopment and planning residential and commercial and retail hospitality and entertainment. I've no issues with any of that. But I'm just wondering whether the sign is down for good. We're checking with the, the Lord Mayor and I think he is saying that it can, I'll wait for the proper wording on it. If you don't mind you need to write up the proper wording because I don't want to get it wrong and get into trouble over it. It could be done temporarily. We'll find out uh, the changing times that we live in. Just very quick I was talking uh, there about um, the Cork Stroke Support. This is a table for aid for their annual Christmas gala in Oriel House Hotel tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Lovely prize to give away. And I just want to get um, line two on air, which is Carol. She may well be in a position to go. Um, let me hear her story, though. Carol, good morning. Hi, good morning. Just very, I'm great, but I don't have much time. I wish I had more to chat with you. But are you, okay, are you up yeah. for going tomorrow night? Is it something close yeah. to your heart? Yeah, oh, very close to my heart. Um, so, actually, my mother had a stroke on Friday the 13th. So, oh. it's very poignant that we're... And it's the Cork Stroke it. Support Christmas dinner as well. Yeah, we'll be supporting them really well tomorrow night. Okay, yeah. who's yeah. going to go? Will you be able to get somebody to mind the six-week-old baby? Uh, she's 14 weeks now. Um, she's growing fast. She was only six weeks when yeah. I was ripping up on the screen. She was six, yeah. She was six <laughs> weeks when my mother had the stroke left her. Oh, so my mum literally only came her. home yesterday from hospital, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. That time, yeah, yeah, I hope so. she makes a full recovery. So you're good Thank to you so much. you're good to go tomorrow night. Round up the posse, all right? Yeah, I'll have to get my husband to babysit and let me go. All right, go for it, go for it and enjoy. Thanks so much. Get Thanks on so the glad much. rags and away you go. Meanwhile, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take one or two more calls here because we've got the Hanley's giveaway. This is a 300 euro voucher uh, for whomever you want to nominate to spend in Hanley's and the Christmas shop in Hanley's. So let's get a call or two on the air on that. We've got the Fogues in studio down from the mountains of Mitchelstown this morning. A couple of songs for us. Uh, so meanwhile, to I'm line four, Laura, good morning. Laura, hi, Nate. Hi, how are you, girl? How are you? How are you? I'm now, very good. I'm very okay. Good. So, tell me all about who you want to nominate and why. Well, I nominate my partner Stephen um, because I think he deserves. He's asking loads of words in between, but sure, look, we said we give him a mention. Um, he was going to work back in October, and he went down Shannon Streetway, and he felt a tip at the back of his van. Um, so he got out and he checked. And there is a man, and he was like, Breaking up a small bit, yeah. I'm with you down the tip on, on Shanna Street, go on, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah, so he was in a little bit of um, trouble, that man. So he got passerby, and he got people in other cars to jump out and help him and whatever, and they, the man was in trouble, and he was having a heart attack and whatever. And that's and why the car, that's why your man, the other gentleman's car yeah. collided, he was in distress. Yeah, the poor thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So Stephen taught quickly that student for a safe course within weeks before that um, at work. So he acted fast and he got people by to help him and things like that. But they got the man out of the car and they worked in him and the paramedics came, fire brigades, ambulances and the guards. And thankfully, um, Stephen did a great job and he helped that man. So Stephen's um, fully trained in CPR then, is he? Well, he's done the first aid kit and oh my God. the first aid and he did, yeah. Um, and they so ultimately said that. then, the paramedics said, that Stephen's CPR and his early intervention saved the other driver's it life. Did. It did, yeah. And thankfully that man um, is still alive and they're hoping to get him home for Christmas. I'm not mentioning any names because that's private to the it family. Is private, and we, but we actually can't wait to see that man and just say, thank God you're here with your kids for Christmas. Do you know, great story. Stephen's done great work, but it's nice to get that man home for his little kids for Christmas. Great and story. thankfully he's alive. Okay. Will you ever say thank you on behalf of all of us to Stephen Walsh for saving that man's life? And as a consequence of that, the man will have a long and happy life. And I want to give him a he 300 euro Hanley's gift card to dicky up the house for Christmas. Off he goes to Hanley's Christmas shop. Great story, thank Laura. You. You're more than welcome. And I'll just tell you one more quick thing before you leave. My daughter Lily is nine and she, um, about five weeks ago, she cut 13 and a half inches of her hair and she raised 1,000 euro and she gave it all to Marymount. Oh my God, it runs in the family then. Giving, yeah. giving, giving. Good luck to you. You'd expect yeah. that from people on the north side though. So well done to you all. Thank well done. You. Thanks so much, Enjoy Laura. Congratulations. Have a great Christmas. I'm not here next week so we're going to squeeze in as much as I can in the next few minutes. The Fogues in studio. How many? One, two, three, four. You're going to pack some punch. Jump in there, Mr. To spokesman, I know we're going to do a tribute to McGowan in a few minutes' time, but first up, a number of your own choosing, is it? Yeah, it's our, our latest single, it's called Sweet Black Rose. We released it on the 3rd of November, and it's available on all major streaming platforms on YouTube and everywhere at all. Well said. You know the, you know the arrangement here. I count you in. It's my job, not yours. That's fair enough. How on, a two, how on, two, three, four. Just like a dream But no one knows what's there behind the scenes You believe in destiny The girl that he for me Still stuck on the birds and the bees Pretty well my sweet black rose That's just the way the love goes It's true our connection's lost Cold as winter frost
this time we've had a part I finally got to mend my broken heart I see your dinner place I picture your sweet face Selfishly I've just got to say Thought that I love you forevermore I've loved you since you first knocked on my Think of it, I don't agree at all. Excellent. Excellent. I love it, the folks. If I don't waste any time, I'll get another tune out of them after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Hi, you be, lads. You know the drill. You'll be a dirty looking agent now to book. You're the dirty looking agent. So get on the phone for that. You'll be a dirty looking agent now to book. Nanny, Nelly, and the gang. Jack and the Beanstalk family passes to do. And also, can I just remind you very quickly that next week, Mick Mulcahy is on air and he'll be drilling right into the Paddy Box emails. And we'll be sending Paddy Boxes all over the world. So if you've got family, friends, or relations overseas, email details about them to us. Tell us about your loved ones overseas Neil at redfm.ie same thing applies for those of you that are actually living overseas that would like one of the paddy boxes and Mick Maul will tell you more about that next week I want to go out with the Fogues though and uh, get one more tune out of the Hall. the Fogues the Pogues has to be an influence there somewhere yeah definitely an influence uh, sure of course Shane McGowan one of the best Irish songwriters to ever live um, obviously wrote the best Christmas song and does your existence. repertoire what, it, yeah I know it's, it's, so much, it's, it's so well played but does your repertoire include a lot of Pogues material mind you I know you do a lot of your own material as well yeah it definitely does we were even saying there we were trying to count the amount of songs and it was, it's definitely four or five songs at least in nearly every night we played that the Pogues did as well well okay well would you do us the honour please of choosing one on, for the day that's in it as we celebrate his life what have you got for us we go Dirty Old Town lads we go Dirty Old Town okay a one a two a one two three four I met my love by the gasworks Dreamed a dream by the old canal. I kiss my girl by the factory wall. It's a dirty old town. It's a dirty old town. Clouds are drifting across. The moon. Cats are prowling on the beach. Springs a girl on the streets that night. It's a dirty old town. It's a dirty old town. I heard a siren coming from the dawn. It's a dirty old town. It's a dirty old town. 
is fabulous but the harmonies are incredible thank you guys I can't think of a better way to round off the week or indeed the day with a tribute to the great Shane McGowan that's the Fogues also known as three cousins and a friend (laughs) 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 rock and roll guys I love you and leave you Mick Mulcahy is here next week and I'll see you the week after all the best bye bye for more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts